Hey guys, welcome to Between the Pints Uncapped, where we pop the top on some of the biggest issues in the craft beer industry. I'm your host, Aaron Gore, a.k.a. The Wandering Brew, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Ryan Moses, the beer counselor. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing pretty well. Just back from GABF, I've had a couple of weeks to recover, so I'm doing really well now. <laughs> well, that's pretty convenient because that's exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, Great American Beer Festival. I feel like most people who are listening to a craft beer podcast, particularly a business craft beer podcast, would you know probably be at least a little cognizant of what GABF is. But you know, to bring you guys up to speed in case uh, you've been living under a you know a rock or. Uh, bourbon barrel aged stout induced <laughs> haze for the last few years uh gabf is the largest beer festival in the world it is the yes. trade show for craft beer it, it it's massive this takes yeah. place in denver colorado every year it's hosted by the brewers association which is the trade group for craft beer in america this thing is absolutely monumentally huge uh the, this last year the one that you were at this year uh, 62,000 attendees, yep. more than 4,000 beers from more than 800 serving breweries. Uh, and the, the sheer scale of this thing is absolutely monumental. It's, I mean, it, yeah, it's the space that they take, uh, it's, it's nearly 600,000 square feet. Yes. And there was a, they released a pic, a photo of all the beer in the keg, in the six kegs in the warehouse in Boulder. Well, actually, it's not just in one of the warehouses in Boulder that they use because they have to use whatever cold storage they can find from Boulder to Denver there to isn't store this, all this there beer. There isn't this much cold storage in that <laughs> area. Literally, there is not. Yeah, the, the, I think that's the thing. So so you had the opportunity to go this year. I had the opportunity to go last year as, as well as you were there last year as well. No, right? I couldn't go. Well, uh, I was in Denver the week before. For that's when you had the wedding, yeah. yeah. Uh, so GABF... The, <laughs> The sheer scale. <laughs> I, I don't even know how else to say it. Uh, yeah. To give you guys a little bit of an idea, you walk in. Let, let, let's let's run through a bit of the day because this is going to be a bit of a <laughs> recap show, talking about this year's, talking about the event in general. But to give you an idea of the sheer scale, you walk in and it's like an being aircl- herded like cattle. Yeah, herded like cattle into an airplane hangar. Yeah, th- this place is absolutely <laughs> monumental. It's Colorado Convention Center. This thing is absolutely huge. It has a giant blue bear, bear on the outside for God knows what reason. But you you walk into these lines and literally you're about seven abreast in each yeah. of these lines that goes back for about five hundred feet and goes yeah. across. There's multiple of these there's lines going a, across. Like, I think I think there's like there were five this year. I think there were five lines, seven across, five hundred yeah. It, there's and a that, lot of people. And that's <laughs> just the part that's in the hall itself. That's not yeah. counting the line that's going all the way out, yeah. down the street, around the corner, <laughs> into a local bar, out of the back of the bar, <laughs> down into the toilet, and you know somebody's standing on top of the toilet. Like that, That's how far Lit- back this freaking thing goes. Literally, it's, it's basically, ridiculous. the line starts... The line forms at Colorado Springs. <laughs> well, if you like, think of the convention center as a huge circle, the line starts... The line ends where the line starts, basically. <laughs> if you line, it's a circle. Yeah, it's you literally have to you. If you go on Thursday and you get there early to get in line, you literally end up walking all the way around the convention center to get back where you started to go in the front door to get into your cattle call line. 
and wait a little bit more. I mean, it really is kind of a cattle call <laughs> feeling. Um, and they start it the same way every year. They have a bagpipe band come through. Yep. Uh, just marches up and down these lines playing. Uh, it really does kind of build the energy. Like, people talk shit about bagpipe music, say it sounds like drowning a cat. Screw you guys. Bagpipes <laughs> are great. And I don't yeah. just say that because I wear a kilt half the time here. <laughs> like, like, it really does like get you hyped up and gets you in the energy, yep. and people start really getting energized and jazzed up for it. You see the brewers mulling around. Usually they're yep. already visiting each other's booths yeah. by that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, once, once they sound the horn and you're able to go in, it, it's... <laughs> all of a sudden you're in it. It's a whole different world. Yeah. It's, it's a world of beer and booths and, and you know, places that you've heard of and never been to. And yeah. It's, it's something different. It's like I said, it's just huge. And this year <coughs> they expanded, I think over the last four years, they've probably added around 5,000 square feet to their footprint. And so this year they not only added another 2,000, but they also, uh, I think they added another like 100. Uh, they've added more square footage. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, they took the big and they made it bigger. Yeah. It's really what it sums to. And they've increased the number of people, but I will say because they increased the square footage, it actually felt more open than it did in past because they're using more of the convention center. So it doesn't feel... 62,000 yeah. people. This is three-quarters of the population of Asheville. Yeah, exactly. At this event. Yeah, and it, and because and like I said, because they've expanded it, the footprint so much, it doesn't it didn't feel as claustrophobic, especially on Saturday night as it has in the past. Because even though there were fewer people, they had a smaller surface area to work with. So it, especially like I said, especially on Saturday night, because at that point, or when you get to around last call on Saturday night, there's no beer left, but you have a bunch of people who are just there to get drunk. And so, just, oh, yeah. yeah, then it just becomes a cluster at that point. The the beer festival's curse is really yeah. what that sums to. But, a, but the way they did it this year, because, like I said, because it was so much bigger and so much more of surface area to work with, it didn't feel as claustrophobic and as crazy during that last, like, 30 minutes. Felt, it has. felt more comfortable. Yeah. You don't see all, all the people trying to cram in. And, and I would imagine that also made some of the lines. So to, to give you an idea of kind of layout of this, so... In previous years, it was laid out geographically, so it's yes. similar to a lot of beer fests where you have rows of booths, but because of the sheer number of them, we're talking in excess of 800 breweries and brew pubs, uh, you had them kind of lined up across from each other, almost like you know Comic-Con style or Dragon-Con yeah. style. It's, it's more like a like a true convention uh, than the, like the kind of tent and, and you know jockey box style setups that we're used to. Yeah. So you kind of weaved your way in, and if you wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest, you could kind of set in there, and they'd have end caps where you'd have some of the bigger breweries or some of the ones who really hated money. Uh, <laughs> would yeah. kind of post up and you know set up a little end caps, uh, and those tended to be the, some of the ones that were getting the biggest business, both because they were the most readily available along the aisles of travel, and also because they tended to be some of the most in-demand breweries. Yeah. This year they changed that. How did they change that, Ryan? Well, they went to alphabetical, and uh, before I go into what that did, I will say that was the way it used to be because I've met a friend of Dave and Jenny's, the couple I stayed with in Denver, met at Hogshead Brewing. We were talking. He has been to 30 GABFs. That is obscene. There have been 32 counting this year. He's been to <laughs> 30. Like and, that, I have yeah. enormous amount of respect for that guy. And he actually, he's, and he knows Charlie Papazian. He knows, like... You kind of have to at that point, <laughs> yeah. because at those he's, first couple of beer festivals... It was like you and Charlie were sitting there talking. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> you, Charlie, and the third person. That's the <laughs> festival. <laughs> so, and actually, he works on the intake of all the beers, and he was like... It, that's, when, that's how I found out they use whatever cold storage they can find from Fort Collins 
to Boulder to dead, just shoving beer into whatever space they can get it into. But yeah, and he was telling us this. It used to be alphabetical back in the day. Of course, back in the day there was like a hundred breweries, so <laughs> it was pretty easy to be alphabetical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were some letters that didn't even have an entry. <laughs> yeah. So and it's probably like the tenth event before they had one that started with Q. Probably. <laughs> And having an alphabetical, I thought my fear going into this was alphabetical would just lead to pure chaos because there's no organizing principle. There's really no organizing principles. Basically, here's A, there's Z, have at it. And It is weird to talk about alphabetic order as sounding nonsensical and chaotic, but given the sheer scale of this, it sets in real quick how yeah. much harder it is to, on a fly, be able to narrow yourself down to the area, to the places you wanted to go. Yeah. How did it actually turn out in practice? It actually, basically, what we decided was we walked in and Dave was like, "All right, pick a letter, and we'll just go over. We'll just make our way to that letter." How many idiots do you want to bet picked A? And they're like, "All right, we'll just start an A, work their way down." Yeah. You and like <laughs> fifty thousand other people. So like we'd pick like P, and we just and along our way to get to the section with all the P's, we would if something caught our eye, we would sample it. Then we'd get to P, we would sample a few in that section. And then just kind of, you know, meander around. Just it literally it was like we we would just walk down an aisle and see what caught our eye and just and because the aisles were so much wider and there was so much more space to walk and it it facilitated that a lot better. It was like I think they actually did think through what they were trying to do and I think they accomplished it by making by doing alphabetical and then widening widening the aisles and increasing the surface area that you were able to walk on. And they've done 32 yeah. of these. I feel like at this point, they got a pretty good idea yeah. of the flow of things. They knew exactly how to... And it's always that a would pretty yeah. well-run event. Oh, I mean, if anything, that, that's the thing that impresses me the most is yeah. just how smoothly they're able to make this whole thing run given the sheer scale, the sheer size, and, and all the moving parts. Yeah, and this year, Jenny volunteered, and she was just talking... When she first decided to volunteer, she was put on a team, and it was called Team Richmond for some reason. But the Team Richmond, she thought it would be like 30, 40 people. They were... 200 people just in her team. Holy shit. And they were in, <laughs> and they were literally just in the A and B sections. That's all they did. Those 200 people were just in like and actually just mostly the B section. They were just that those 200 people were That's in your job. that section. Attend yes. to the Bs. Which yes. by the way, if there if there's one thing I've learned over the years is there's a lot of Bs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like there's something about like I guess the alliteration with beer or brewery that man, <laughs> there are so many breweries that start with the letter B. Yeah. Like going through my Oxford, uh, I'm going through the Oxford uh, <laughs> compendium on beer and it's just like the B section was a slog. Holy shit, that's half the damn book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the organization there's the people who pour. There are the team captains or the table captains. They're in charge of the people who pour. And then there are the People who are in charge of bringing the kegs from the cold storage out to the floor. There are people who are, and there are the people who are in charge of bringing the ice out to the each booth. It's like they've broken each, they've like you said, they've done this for thirty-two years. They've broken up each job, and it just works like clockwork. It's actually quite, it's amazing to watch it happen. I mean, this really is like like almost a, a work of engineering, just, yes. just to be able to pl plan all this out. I, I do not envy the person whose job it is to set up and arrange this event, but it, it, it's incredible. Yeah. So, so were there any like 
standouts to you, you know, being being boots on the ground. I know what some of the things that are getting the most uh, talked about. We'll kind of get into some of the most notable happenings from the event. But just for you, boots on the ground, your personal experience. What did you see? What did what did you enjoy? What did you experience that really kind of stood out for you? Well, one thing I enjoy. Well, I'm gonna talk about the Buffalo Wild Wings and the Jameson's Caskmate areas. The Buffalo. So at this beer festival, <laughs> tell me, do tell me, great Ryan Moses, uh, why why do we have a Jameson's section and a Buffalo Wild Wings section? Well, Jameson's because of the caskmates. Caskmates. If you haven't had that, that's their sc- not Scotch, but Irish whiskey that is aged good, in. Good save. <laughs> that is. I got aged some Scotch loving friends who would have sent us <laughs> letters like pen and paper letters, and it's their Irish whiskey that is aged in barrels that had beer aged in them. So it gives the with gives the Irish whiskey a slightly different taste, and then they also just flipped and it, it, it around. And it is delicious. Yeah. If any if anybody has never had it, please yeah. look it up. It, it is it lends a kind of caramely, yeah. lightly chocolatey quality to the whiskey. It, it's yeah. it's very tasty. Yeah. So they had a huge section with its own music and DJ. I mean, when I say huge, I mean relative to the size of the <laughs> venue, not very huge, but it's probably as big as this. their section was probably about half the size of this building we're in. <laughs> Which means absolutely <laughs> nothing for those of you at home, but take our word for it that that's big. And then there was the B, the not BW three. That's what they used to be. The Buffalo Wild Wings. Did section. They used to BW three is what they used to call like go yeah. I. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. I get mad when people <laughs> say Buff Dubs. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, they, that was actually their marketing was BW three. But anyway, their Buffalo Wild Wings section, which where's, was actually where's was, the third W? It, they changed. I forgot what it was, but they had the, they changed their name. Buffalo Willy Wild Wings. Yeah. <laughs> But this, the only good thing about that section was it had tables and televisions that had football on it. Literally, that's and on Saturday night, so, that actually made sense because there's so, so college pe- football and all these televisions. People paid <laughs> enormous amounts of money to go to this beer festival. Oh, and then they also had Buffalo Wild Wings food, too. With more, yo, yeah, because that's a high price. <laughs> yeah. To go to this place with more than 800 breweries. Tons of <laughs> talks, presentations. A whole food, a whole see. beer and food pavilion whole that was open food to pavilion. anyone who got who got there early enough. Merchandise, <laughs> meet the brewer sections, <laughs> and they sat down at a Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> to watch. Fo- I love football, <laughs> and even I am almost personally offended that these people got to go and I did not. Yeah, I, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them, Ryan. The only cool thing about the that section was it was also beside what they called the heavy metal section. The heavy metal booth was a pretty. It was probably like a hundred beers there that were being poured, but there were 2017 and 2018 winners from GABF and World Beer bleh, World Beer Cup were pouring there, and that. Do you get it, guys? Heavy metal because they won medals. Yeah, and that that might have been probably my that was that and the guild section were my favorite parts. Well, you know you're going to be getting some fantastic get product one, one, one <laughs> yeah. way or the other. These are all world class beers, and especially yeah. World Beer Cup is the most prestigious set of beer awards on yeah. the planet. Like GABF is huge, and and we're we're talking about that right now. But World Beer Cup, which is also put on by the BA, that's the golden ticket. Yeah. The World Beer Cup, at least is for held, the industry. Yeah. It's held every two years at these um, craft beers, uh, craft brewers conference, and, and it's not the kind of medals that get advertised as much. It's not as good as GABF for consumer stuff. But like, if like you want to really yeah. see the best beer on the planet, World Beer Cup's the place yeah. to go. 
Yeah, and you know, like I said, the and the guild, that, the guild section is too. really good because Fats has some really so great. So explain what the guild section is for a second. Oh, all the active guilds, all the active state guilds, which are not. I'm trying to f- how I want to describe this, they're not part of the Brewers Association, but they are. That they are part of the Brewers Association, basically they're independent from the Brewers Association, yeah. but look to accomplish the same goals on a more localized yeah. level. And so the BA at GABF, they give them, they give each of the active um, guilds a booth, and those guilds can pour beer from their state, beer from their guild members who aren't pouring by themselves at GABF. So that's so you get a lot of really good beers. In North Carolina this year was Duck Rabbit, which for some reason they didn't port GABF this year, but Duck Rabbit, Four Saints. Uh, well, it's done. It's done by lottery yeah. to to yeah. actually pour at GABF. So they probably just fell out of lottery. Yeah, probably. And so not who else was it? Duck Rabbit, Pony Soros, I think uh, Four Saints, one of my favorites. Uh, I can't remember who else, but yeah, it was a good. It was a very good representation of, of North Carolina beer. Yeah, that's part of part of the fun to see too. Is you get to see breweries who might not necessarily have their own booths there, but to get a snapshot of the scene within a particular state. Yeah, um, not every state's got a guild there, no. but usually there's about twenty or so. And being yeah. able to actually go through and you know, for example, like who knows much about Rhode Island beer aside? I mean, I do, but only because I used to sell <laughs> beer up there. But uh, being able to kind of go there and, and say, hey. Here are five beers from our tiny little state that you you might not have even thought of as a place to go for beer. Here's what we have to offer. That, that's yeah. exciting. That's that's great for them, and and really can help open people's eyes to some of the non traditional brewing states like the the Portland, like the Oregon's and the Washingtons yeah. and the Californias. And then like the, the Vermont booth was cool because they didn't have <laughs> they didn't have the what you would what everybody thinks of as Vermont beer, of, of which there is plenty. Yeah, they had other ones which were. <laughs> Equally as good oh, yeah. that I'd never heard of. Oh yeah, the the Burlington area alone has like so so many high quality breweries. I mean, it really is. It's basically the Asheville of the North. It, it's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, and to it, it's it's nice to see some of those smaller breweries that might not have that more national presence and might not be quite as well represented on the trades. It, it's nice to see them get represented and get their time in the sun as well. Because yeah. some of those wind up turning into a big deal down the line. Yeah. I mean, there was a point in time where Treehouse was basically you know that little tiny brewery no one knew about. Yeah. Nice, nice to see that growth. And then the other cool thing, especially about the first night, that's the night where, like you said, the brewers, that's the big-name brewers, that's when they come in because that's when they have all their parties and everything on Thursday and Friday night. So a lot of the big-name brewers are there on Thursday night. So like I saw, Garrett Oliver was pouring at the Brooklyn Beer booth, which they had their own end cap. So did Dogfish, and Sam was there, and Randy Mosher got to watch him taste beers at different booths, which I'm just like, that, I would that, not I would incredible. not fucking pour beer for Randy Mosher if he came to my booth. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's <laughs> the kind of time where you just like like hide under the booth, even <laughs> exactly. though it's obvious where you're at. And you're, uh, Sir, are you down there? No, Mr. Randy Mosher. <laughs> you I stepped not. out. <laughs> yeah, and then Charlie Papazian is just like, my favorite part was Charlie Papazian just walking around. It was like this little Armenian guy just kind of He still around. does exactly what he has always done. Yeah. Like like when he was handing out medals at the awards ceremony, like literally <laughs> everybody wants a picture with Charlie. He's just the coolest little dude. Yeah. Like when he started this whole thing, it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. It was like just like 10 guys in a room together. And now like this thing has grown so much and he's still like the patron saint yeah. of craft beer in our country. And he just goes around from booth to booth just kind of saying yeah. hi. 
And nice be- the nicest dude on the planet. Yeah. And before the Saturday session, while we were standing there waiting for them to let us in, before they had uh, Colorado Governor John Hinkenlooper. He and pa- Charlie are friends because John Hinkenlooper is the founder of Wine Coops Brewing. Yeah, Wine Coops Brew Pub, the first brew pub in Colorado. So he and Charlie are friends. God bless and, that yeah. state. So he, which is literally, and by the way, the that brew pub is right across the street from Union Station, which is if you take the train from the airport, drops at Union Station, there's a terminal bar, which I always stop at, a couple of good coffee shops and a couple of restaurants, and then the baseball stadium is that just like two blocks, one direction. I was about to say, you were literally <laughs> about to point <laughs> that direction. And absolutely nobody at home, they'd be like, where the fuck is he pointing? I don't know what's going on. And then uh, Wine Coops is literally across the street from Union <laughs> Station. And so, yeah. And and by the way, Hick, that's important to remember Hickenlooper because he is probably running for president under the Democratic Party because he is a Democrat who won the governorship multiple times in Colorado, which is a very red state. <laughs> so he's running for president. You sold me at he run he his family started a brew pub. Yeah, and, that's and all was, I needed here. And brew I, pub. And he and Charlie <laughs> were talking. They were like on the mic because they were basically just kind of vamping until everything was ready to let us in. And I think you could kind of tell Governor Hickenlooper had partaken of some of the party favorite, uh, some of the <laughs> beers out there. Yeah, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> so he was, he was like, yeah, you're running for president. You might not want to do this do this like this anymore. Dude, can you imagine <laughs> if he wound up winning, like, the Democratic nomination? Like, <laughs> ABI and Miller Coors would, like, be beside <laughs> themselves. You do not want a, a diehard member of the craft beer community in that oh, position. like an original member of the Bruce, literally oh, a, yeah, an oh, original yeah. member of the yeah, Bruce this, Association. This is OG craft beer, and this guy this guy could be like sitting in the biggest seat on the planet. Like, holy shit. Uh, Dreams yeah. can come true. <laughs> I don't even care what his other positions were. He could be like, and we should uh, drown kittens in the river, and I'd be like, beer! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Judge Kavanaugh. I like beer. I like beer. Like, please Aww. stop. <laughs> we, but, we, please. But please. Anyway, the other, a couple of the other things I saw. Oh, like that picture I sent you from that Thursday night from the end cap in very bright and green letters, green, green flash, flash. end cap. I, How do they even have the money for an end cap? <laughs> exactly. Like that's like that's uh, in caps what like eight eight thousand if you want to half an in caps something like fifteen thousand if you want a full like like it is not a yeah. small investment and this is for a brewery that just collapsed now I see what they're doing and and, and part of me actually thinks it's a smart business decision because a lot of people think they closed outright and they still have seven yeah. states of distribution that's not small yeah. it's way smaller than the fifty they're in but but it makes it, it, they need to get yeah. their name out there it kind of make yeah did you we, stop and try the beer no for some reason what, their booth born? was fucking they had really? a line. Incap. <laughs> yeah. Incap. This is why I never go to any of the Incap breweries, dude. I, like, I, yeah. I'll even miss good beer just because 800 freaking breweries. There's going to be plenty of other good beer. And those Incaps, they really do. You'll, you'll get a half an hour line just to get to them. That's the first rule of GABF. If there's a line, move on. There, there's always <laughs> going to be something yes. just as good a little further down with no line. That, yeah. that was me and my wife's. That was our big thing at the last one we went to is literally just if there's a line, Next booth, please. Yeah, me and, and, Dave, and we yeah. did that, and we wound up hitting a ton of great breweries, breweries we never even thought of, breweries that we've since seen out and about, and, and yeah. some of whom have even, even gotten, like, Comrade Brewing. Yeah. No one knew Comrade Brewing two years ago. Uh, they were at GABF. We tried some of their beer. We were like, oh, this is pretty damn good. 
they got some definite call-outs for being a bit of a gem of the Denver area this yeah. year. So it's it's nice to see. And that's how the stories develop. You see these small places that haven't had the chance yet to make that immediate yeah. splash. And it's Licking Hole Creek, that's another one that's yep. really started making some funniest name for a brewery ever. Yeah. But well, I'll <laughs> say that that one usually has a line just because the, the name. name. But, like, uh, As Clown had a line. That uh, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did two years ago, too. It's yeah. like, hey, look, it's nice, Clamber. Let's go there. Exactly. Uh, but no, no, it, it is. I'm, I'm, I think it's a smart business move by Green Flash. Yeah, Getting their name back out there. I would like to see them do beers they weren't doing before because that was part of the problem. They drank like a brewery that had been around since the early 2000s because they were. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they need they need to kind of catch up with the times, and just using Alpine as the method of doing so wasn't working well for them. Yeah, and I'm trying to think what else, what other general ideas of walking around did I see? Yeah, it was, I'm always struck with, especially GABF, it's a beer festival where people are happy to be there. That's, I think that's the thing I like about beer festivals the most, is people are just happy, they're they're walking around drinking beer. They're just happy to be there. There's, there, of, there's an yeah. exciting energy. <laughs> and, and, you know, people who work too many beer festivals, I feel like sometimes they lose track of just how much fun they are yeah. to attend. And I know when I was when I was working them, like, for a living, I was doing, you know, 50, 60 a year. I hated them. Yeah. Uh, like, it got to the point where I was just so... Like, I enjoyed the talking to people, but about halfway through, you start getting the drunks, and it starts getting, like, it, it becomes belabored. You know no one's remembering the beer. You start yeah. getting stupid questions, like, what what hops are in this? So you, you could say literally <laughs> anything. Uh, it's got Farfish Nuka hops. Yeah, I thought so. It really tasted like it. <laughs> but, it <laughs> but, but they are, when you're going to them, there's that sense of camaraderie. You get to talking to people in line. It's a great yeah. time. Everybody's just a little buzzed, at least for most of it. And you do get some yeah. people who are drunk, but for the most part, no one's violent. Everybody's yeah. having a good time. Get a few sloppy people, but everybody's having fun, and they're in that perfect medium state where you know they're just enjoying the company of a bunch of other people who like yeah. beer. I think that's the one other good thing about beer festivals, especially it's you have to do a lot of work to get really drunk at a beer. Festival. No, you don't. We are being very myopic about how high our tolerances are. I <laughs> know people true. who can get drunk <laughs> off of beer festivals off of one fucking booth. <laughs> I the first beer fe- okay so here's a true story first beer festival I ever worked uh, Great International Beer Festival uh, in Providence Rhode Island this was when I was still working for Finch Beer Company I uh, had a lady came <laughs> lady came up shit housed about halfway through the festival got in a huge ar- argument with me because I, I had one T-shirt that was all the brewery had given me I d- I literally just had it hanging up as an ex- like an example and she Here's wanted some a T-shirt of she wanted a T-shirt didn't even want to pay for it she just wanted a T-shirt. <laughs> She was like, why won't you give me the T-shirt? I was like, it's the only one I got. I can't be giving out T-shirts. And she's like, well, I want the T-shirt. I was like, we also, we're not selling merchandise here. Um, but, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, like show you like where you can like buy them online, you know. I, but I'm sorry, I can't give you that one. She's getting angry and angry. She's starting to tell people, you won't give me a shirt. Finally, she takes her shirt off. <laughs> and takes her shirt off, throws it on the ground. She says, I just need a shirt. <laughs> and then passes it. Like, passes out on the floor. They ah! find, her friends help get her up off the ground, get her shirt back on. Festival ends, and they're going through just making sure everybody's out. Like, it's nothing but brewery yeah. personnel at that point. She's passed out cold in a porta potty against one wall. <laughs> like, like, they have to carry her out, the security does, because she's so drunk. I It, it was... Don't pre-game, always, a pre, don't, don't pre-game a pre don't pre-game a beer festival. festival. You <laughs> never need to pre-game a beer festival. <laughs> take pretzels, take something to munch while you're doing, and go on a full stomach. 
don't be stupid people we're adults here <laughs> but no that that was like that was such a wake up call experience this was in addition to having a guy pass out in front of my booth um <laughs> we had a 9% double IPA this was back when double IPAs were still kind of growing in trendiness yeah. and uh we had we had we were calling it the uh, the heady topper killer. It definitely wasn't, but <laughs> it was a very good double IPA. Nine percent drank like a five percenter, and we had these dudes yeah. going back through the line. They came back through, must have been thirty times. First beer festival, I wasn't going to cut them off, so <laughs> they uh, they passed out drunk, holding the gla- the cups right in front of my freaking booth. So nice, good good times, good times, guys. Oh, so, anyways, back to GABF. Oh, one of the. Um Momentary kerfuffles, shall we say, occurred with the first night with Wicked Weed. Apparently, this year the Brewers Association decided to put who your parent company is on your placard. Which, if you are bothered by that, then that says a lot yeah. about the disposition of your parent so company. So, at some point, Wicked Weed, the people from Wicked Weed, as when they got there, they started setting up the booth, and they noticed that it said Anheuser Busch InBev. They covered it up. <laughs> so we're about to discover something called the Streisand effect, people. <laughs> so the Streisand effect, so I'm, I'm going to give some background here because I, I'm about to t- tell the world why this was a terrible idea by Wicked Weed. <laughs> so in their mind, we cover it up. No one will know. It'll be great. That way we're covered, literally. Barbara Streisand had a beach house. and uh, This is back in the late 90s, I want to yep. say. And there was a website that literally they just took satellite photographs of the beaches of California, and it, it, the intention of the yeah. and put them online. The intention of the site was to help raise awareness for the need to preserve California's beaches because they yeah. were eroding, they were being overdeveloped. Barbara Streisand's beach house was in one of those pictures. It raised her attention. You know, one of these satellite top-down yeah. pictures, you could barely make out her house, and she felt it was a privacy violation. Raise a lawsuit against them. Now, this tiny little website that maybe 15 people ever used in all of history <laughs> became front page news, and everybody had copies of the picture of her house. <laughs> By trying to fight it, she wound up raising awareness to it in a massive way. This, this, this has been shown time and time again. It's actually one of the key tenets of PR in the modern era yeah. is do not raise attention to something that the media hasn't latched onto yet because and never try to fight it because all you're going to do is make that bile fascination come up. People are going to really like go other way to find it now. Yeah. If Wicked Weed had just left that damn thing, people would have not, either not noticed or not cared. Now it's a story. Blue Moon has been pouring at the GABF for 20 20- Fucking years. And adding adding cores to it would not have caused a problem. People people either know or the people exactly. who don't know probably don't care that much. A handful, a tiny amount of people probably would have seen it and been like, "Oh, I probably won't drink them anymore." But that is a minutia. <laughs> By covering it up now, the same people who are drunk at the festival and not really caring are going to be reading it sober and having an issue with it. So yeah. it was the stupidest thing they could have done. And exactly, uh, absolutely mind blowing. Hmm. Oh, I do want to talk about the diversity panel that I went to. Yes, tell me more, tell me more. It was a diversity Free panel. Free reference, guys. There we go. It was put on by Good Beer Hunting and <sighs> um, New Belgium Brewing. It's called Within Reach, a discussion of new markets and audiences for craft beer. And the I've kind of like talked about it on one of the short pours and the panel was really cool. It was Kim Jordan um, from New Belgium, Kimberly Clements, um, whose family used to own one of the largest wholesalers in Colorado, but now she does consulting for specifically for craft brewers. 
um, the owner, one of the co-founders of Brewery Ravana, who I'm not going to try to say his name off the top of my head because I will butcher it. He is um, Southeast Asian, I think Cambodian, but so I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. And then Dom Cook from Beer Culture. And one of the things that probably my two biggest takeaways, I kind of mentioned them on the last episode, were if you're going to make, if you want, if you're looking to have diversity and accessibility in craft beer, you have to start at the core, at your core values of what you're trying to do with your brewery from the beginning. You need to build those core values into your mission and vision statements and into your strategic planning and into your business plan. They have to be there from the start. And also those attempts at outreach and creating diversity have to be authentic. And they have to be true to who you are and authentic to the people you're approaching. They can't because people can tell when you're pandering to them and they can smell bullshit a mile away, honestly. So if you're trying to get, you know, I think the example that came to my mind was if you're trying to attract um, Latino craft beer drinkers, don't do a Cinco de Mayo event. <laughs> do a do an actual Mexican Independence Day, which is in September. Drink our new beer. It's called Fiesta Sombrero. Yeah, exactly. You, Has a picture of a Chihuahua on it. How could you not love it? The only people you're going to attract to your Cinco de Mayo event are bros who are just looking to drink hazy IPAs and get drunk. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Not that we have any problem <laughs> with bros who like to drink IPAs and get drunk. <laughs> we have tons of problems with bros who <laughs> like to drink IPAs and get drunk. <laughs> but yeah, but like... And you, and you probably won't attract any Latino people because they're going to go, you're putting on a Cinco de Mayo event. And huh. you know what they're going to go ahead and do? They're going to go ahead and drink their Tecate. Yeah. You know why? Because they've been drinking Tecate, tecate since yeah. they were 15. You're not yeah, Exactly. You're not giving them an authentic reason to come to your brewery, yeah. basically. Yeah. They, they, like, <laughs> they're going to drink the same thing they've always been drinking because you haven't given them a reason not to. Yeah. Like, like it, it's hard to move people. And you see this with you know white people out in the country trying to move them off Bud Light. They've been drinking Bud Light yeah. their whole lives. Why are they going to switch? You got to give them a reason to and make them feel yeah. like they have a, a place within craft beer. I mean, you see this specifically here in North Carolina with you know if we're if we're going to follow kind of the the more country angle of it as a point of comparison for people, country ass white people, hard for craft beer to get through to uh, yep. because they've done a terrible job of saying you know you don't have to have your pinky up and be you know hipster with a with a beard and you know talking about free range chicken in order to enjoy craft beer it's the same thing in the latino community you know make make it feel like they have an honest place at the table not like yeah. you're pandering yeah exactly and that's one things that dom talks about with his what he does with his website and with his blog is make yeah it, you people just want a place at the table that is honest and you know when again he talked about one of the things he discussed was local doesn't matter to the african american community as much as craft beer people want it to because why you know there's basically local is not all that matters to african american people it's you know what have you done to honestly approach us and to honestly put give us a seat at the table? You're wanting us to drink your beer because it's local, but the so com- the community <laughs> the community is a lot less you know yeah 
South Compton, and it's a lot more the African American community. And yeah, they feel like not the Los Angeles community. Yes, and yeah. so having a brick and mortar on site is a lot less important than actually have participated in the community and doing your best to actually make an earnest effort. Yeah, and and, and I think a couple of the people who were at the event were kind of surprised when he said that, and, and then he then he explained it basically just like you did, and it's the reason like. In my head, I always go back to Heineken. The reason Heineken has such a foothold in the African American community is because they have cultivated that for thirty years. Basically, they've they've like sponsored the Ebony Fest and the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. They've like been on the ground sponsoring these events all throughout the South and in African American communities. So yeah, African Americans drink Heineken. It just because it's not it has nothing to. Because it's they've the beer there. of yeah. their community. Yeah, they've it, made themselves a part of that community. And I've been do- and I've been doing that for ages and ages. Yeah. I mean, Heineken's been the one of the most consumed uh, beers in the Caribbean countries, especially yeah. Jamaica. Drinks so much Heineken. Yeah, so much Heineken, and and there's a reason that it, it's followed up here. And you know, among diaspora populations, yeah. you know, they they start commingling within the U.S. and it becomes something for the greater African American community as well. Yeah. And Heineken's done their best to to honor that part of their business. I, yeah. You can say what you want about that that company, <laughs> but they've done a really good job yeah. of marketing to African Americans. And then and we yeah was just, and that was one of the things we discussed. And he also touched on Nike and Colin Kaepernick, and basically. Like uh, pretty much everybody on the panel agreed, especially when Dom basically laid it out. Is in my head also like Nike has now gotten the loyalty of a whole generation of African American and Latino and LGBTQ people. For the next thirty years, they're going to buy Nike. And fr- period. And frankly, the people Nike pissed off by doing that, or the people who weren't buying Nikes anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. so what did they lose? Yeah. Like, exactly. Ju- just just to get a little li- li- little <laughs> tangential on it, but uh, and that was the cal- and made so it a sounds good like point. a productive panel. Yeah, it was a pretty good panel. Yeah, it, and, and, and frankly, had, it's stuff that a lot of people in the industry need to yeah. hear. I kind of wish it had been part of the official GABF panels that prior <laughs> engagements. Dr. Yeah, Jackson, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that hopefully in the next, I'm hoping over the next year we'll see stuff change at CBC and GABF that'll include. As she gets more, as she as her calendar like empties out from her and actual she's barely, job, barely had <laughs> yeah. this role. So yeah. basically, <laughs> as her as she gets more into it, in her like uh, this week, she's in Montana talking to brewers for freaks. She's in Montana talking to the Brewers Association in Montana. So. All, all three of them. <laughs> it's Montana. Some, there's yeah. more moose than people. <laughs> there's some kind of Brewers event that she's been tweeting from. Uh, well, she might not be at a brewer's event, but she's been doing a lot of brewery work. But I'll tell you Montana. what, there's going to be a whole lot more diversity of elks among the the moose <laughs> up there. You know, they're really trying to be inclusive. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit uh, before we run out of time. Yep. Some of the uh, standout winners, some of the things that, that really came up as far as the actual award ceremony for the competition. Uh, I think the big talk was the Hazy IPA segment. We talked before about the fact that this is the first time in, what, 15 years that American-style IPA was not the number one most entered category in the uh, the competition. Yeah. So Hazy IPAs, uh, who came out on top? It was definitely... The city of Chicago. The city (laughs) of Chicago. Uh, Three of the six medals for Hazy IPAs between the double and the uh, single went to Chicago. Three of the six... IPA medals, and then I think they picked up another one in the pale ale category too. <laughs> uh, they did not pick uh, ah, one so up in the. Yeah, they picked. Uh, they picked up two of the three in uh, 
juicy or hazy IPA and juicy or hazy imperial double IPA. Yeah. They wound okay. up picking up one. Okay, so, so it was uh, three of the six. Congrats to Corridor Brewery and Provisions. Congrats to Alarmus Brewing and congrats to Aris Brewery and Cider House. You guys all just got very, very successful. Because <laughs> this was the category everybody's watching. I mean, yeah. uh, any brewery that won a medal in any of those categories instantly on the map. That That's huge. You, you could not have asked to win a bigger category at a bigger time than winning that right now. And the funny thing is, like, if you look at the amount of entries for those two categories, for those two categories around like 400 and then 300, and then IPA is like another 300 or so. It was 384, I think, for Hazy yeah. IPA, so around 400, and it was uh, down in the like low 300s for American yeah. IPA and just under that for American du- uh, for a Juicy Double. It's funny, like you go from, those are all in like 300s, 100, high 100s, and then you know, 300s, and then like, maybe high 100s. And then after that, the number of entries in each category tops out at like 70. Oh, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable. Like everybody wants to win those big categories because it really does. Your, your financial future is basically if you, secure if you at win, that you've point. made it. And, and especially for the city of Chicago, having all those win within the same city has been great for them because it's now made it a destination they for a the hottest of, style in the country. They won a bunch of medals this year. Goose Island didn't win any. Amazing how that happened. <laughs> Actually, ma- matter of fact, uh, other than Ten Barrel, the the acquired breweries, and we're removing founders, Lugganese, like we're just talking about the ABI high end and yeah. the Miller Coors high end, uh, the Tenth and Blake. Uh, they they fucking failed. Yeah, even the American Light, a bunch. That yeah, even the it. American Light Lager call, uh, category wound up, uh, which is normally almost exclusively macro beers competing, and PBR almost always wins it. Yeah. Uh, wound n- not even in the top three. Yeah. Uh, the, the era of the craft lager is in full force, and it has been one of those kind of seismic shifts that went surprisingly unnoticed. But I think we're it's going to become increasingly important. It's a it's a it's a bit of a weather balloon sent because up. Hazy IPAs are so that's that's where everybody's looking. That dominated the and conversation. This, this little thing over here with pilsners and light lagers is. Craft even brewers decided to make them, and they've started making them really well. And it's one of the fastest growing parts of the industry, too. So even though it's a relatively yeah. small part of the industry, it's it's going to become increasingly important, especially for craft beer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ten Barrel cleaned up. They they won three medals. I, I'm not going to be. I'm never going to be one of those people <laughs> who says acquired breweries make bad beer. No, most of them make pretty good beer. Yeah. Most of them make comparably good beer to what they did before. Wicked Weed Sours fell off, but that's because they lost the guy who was making them. Yeah. Um, you know. T- Blue Point dropped off hard, but uh, they weren't that great to begin with. <laughs> like the Blue Point and Goose Island weren't awesome but, uh, to start. So yeah, Ten Barrels always made good beer. They've still been making good beer under ABI. Our argument against them has nothing to do with the quality of the beer, and honestly, people who make it about the quality of the beer are distracting from the real argument. Uh, there's plenty of crap breweries who make shitty beer. If that's your, your <laughs> primary argument, don't drink them. And we've argued that you shouldn't. And, and I'll say, I think Tin Barrel is because of where they are. They're Port- an Oregon brewery. Yeah, if yeah, you don't come, right if you don't come strong, you, you will to. fall. You will, you will die. And they're right there in the heart of <laughs> yeah. uh, Portland too. Like they're right there in the same area with uh, Rogue Cascade and uh, now Modern Times. That yeah. is some, that is some deep competition <laughs> to be competing even just for foot traffic. With. Yeah, I mean, it's like you have Cascade to make right across the street. Yeah. That's huge. And, and Modern Times coming in has been massive. So, yeah, it, I'm not gonna hate on their beer. I think it's alarming to see them pull three medals because I think that some of the story might get lost. Uh, people are just going to see those medals. They're going to lose sight. Of, and it'll, it'll start up the, the age-old argument that you and me, I know, have heard a million times of, well, well, if the beer's good, why do you care? Which is comically missing <laughs> the point. And we've discussed it as nothing. I'm not even going to get into how often we've discussed it on here. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I, I'm worried it might cause some things to get kind of, you know, it'll bury the lead a bit, yeah. which what, is a shame. Oh, well, we go into North Carolina, which won 14 medals, which is still pretty good. Down from That's their seven. Yeah. Very good. I mean, we had an insane year, like three or four years ago, we won like 17 medals. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, last year, not, not this present year, but last year, we wound up winning. Um, we had the second highest percentage of uh, entries to yeah. to uh, successful medals. And I think we had something like the fourth or fifth most medals in the country, which is, yeah, that that's significant. And this that year, is significant. Yeah. And Charlotte won five of those 14 medals, including Noda winning for Gorgeous, which one of the few times they actually award a gold medal for pumpkin beer. Yeah, that almost <laughs> never happened. <laughs> never, they, and honestly, this year's Gorgeous has been like four years. It's, yeah. been, it's really good this year. If you're in the area, definitely check it out. But... Um, picking up the uh, fruited barrel aged sour category. That's a, that's another tightly yeah. contested category, and it's one that that it's a niche. Sours still are, but they're a big niche and one that gets yeah. a lot of attention. So wooden robot being able to win that was absolutely huge. Uh, historical beer, all like twenty entries it had. <laughs> Maybe not so so amazing, but if you guys have never never been to Divine Barrel, their Grotz are one, the Big Lubelski. Definitely go and check them out. They are one of my favorite breweries in the state. That was already. one of the ones one of the guys I was with, we tried that on Thursday night and he did not know what a Grotzer was. <laughs> he was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a weird style. There there are not many st- like literally that might be about the only style I'm not a huge fan of in all of beer, but it's a perfect Grotzer. Yeah, and, and I love I love smoked beer, but it's a light smoked wheat beer from Poland. It's a weird style, but two, they nailed I, it. Literally, I had two very good Grotzers. I had that one, and what was the other one? Well, they finally added the cat the standards for them. Um, the BJCP did, yeah. which I think went a long way towards people starting to finally turn them out. Because they were almost impossible to find before that. Yeah, I had the from Intrepid Sojourner, Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project out of Denver. They had it. Well, that really is, that is a name. <laughs> That's why I had to look it up. They had a very they had a very good Grotzer, and that was probably I think that was the f- and a terrible yeah. marketing team. Yes, <laughs> Intrepid Sojourner. Sojourner. Yeah, they had all of the Intrepid all. Sojourner. Wow, that's really all of their beers are like amazing. But and like for the said, four people who were able to find them, like, <laughs> like you said, for that name, the, yeah, the beer was all great. You need an abbreviation or something, guys. Good lord, I, I know it's hard to come up with original names these days, but that's that's bad. And if you want, we're talking on the last episode about terrible like brewery names. That's a terrible brewery name. I'm sorry. If you want to get a spice beer, go to San Antonio. They won like three of the six medals for the two spice beer categories. Did they, did they really? Yes. They you know, actually might have won more because I think they swept one of the categories and won two in the other category. And on, honestly, this shouldn't be a surprise either. I mean, because uh, proximity to Mexico, there's a yeah. there's a long history of uh, you know spice stouts and, and the like in Mexico. You know, Oaxacan you know stouts. So yeah. it, it, I, I'm, I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah, they did really well. North Carolina did really well. And th- uh, the other thing that I was happy with is Allagash won for white, Founders won for breakfast stout and porter. Which sweet Jesus, that, <laughs> that took way too damn long to happen yeah. again. Like, <laughs> I mean, those are those are three. It's nice to see legendary quality, beers yeah. getting recognized. Those are three beers who've been around for a long time that are consistently always good, and they finally get recognized for actually being great. Which yeah. is, you know, that's 
that's what we want. Yeah, I mean, th- <laughs> this is supposed to find the best beers. And I think one thing it, the, the competition year after year drives home is that a lot of small, relatively unknown breweries do make beer just as good, if not better, than some of the more well-known, you know, trendy ones. But it is nice to see some of these classic style-defining beers get recognized. Yeah. I mean, does it get... M- I mean, <laughs> Allagash White was basically the second white like wit beer ever made in america that yes. that, that is <laughs> not a small point of consideration uh and it's it's always nice to see those things get recognized the other thing that um lost my train of thought ryan <laughs> <laughs> i was doing so good have momentum <laughs> what do you got going on today how you doing bud <laughs> well, the other thing i want to talk about is just if you want to have a good beer experience just go to denver don't even worry about going to GA. Oh, no, no, just, no. It's just, just the take a vacation to Denver. Bars, anytime. Yeah. Even, not even just the breweries. Tons of great beer bars, even a lot of the restaurants. It reminds me of like Asheville writ large in the sense yeah. that you go to places that you'd think have nothing to do with beer and they still have tabs. Yeah. And probably my favorite place, well, my favorite place to go if I'm going to get food is probably almost well, two. But this place is called Fresh Craft and it's, Oh, it's a pretty big bar, but they have one of the best beer select, one of the best beer selections you'll ever see, and they have great food, and it's right downtown in the Lodo, Lower Denver section. There's a lot of stuff you can walk to. It, it's a really cool place. And the other place is called Hops and Pies. I think I've talked about that one before. Like pizza, and the thing about Hops and Pies is on Wednesdays. This is throughout the year, not even during, not just during the GABF. They do. $1 beer cans, $1 craft beer cans. So as you can imagine, we don't go there the fir- on Wednesday of JABF because you can't actually get in. <laughs> oh, the, the whole city's a madhouse yeah. there in JABF. Like every place is packed full, yep. and most of the people there are there for JABF. Yeah, and like, and like I said, it's just... If you want to be among fellow beer drinkers. <laughs> yeah, and actually, honestly, if you just want to be among fellow beer drinkers, go to Denver almost any time. Oh, yeah. You, the, the, city, the city runs on it. There's yeah. not many cities, even ones that have more actual breweries, that yeah. have it more deeply ingrained in the culture. Uh, I think Denver and Asheville are probably the two cities yeah. that beer is just, that's yep. just part Beer's, of the culture. Beer is king. Um, yeah. even, even places like Portland, it, it's a huge part of it, but it's mostly caught up in the greater hipster culture, which drives yeah. it. San Diego's got so many other things going on. <laughs> Seattle, tons of great beer. Yeah. It's a huge city. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do think if you want to just be surrounded by fellow beer drinkers, Denver is – Denver, yeah. Nashville, and b- maybe Burlington. Burlington's okay. also up there. I mean, uh, like, literally when you come, like – first of all, there is a beer garden in the airport when you land in Denver. Then you get on the train and go to Union Station. There is a very good bar called Terminal Bar in Denver that has – uh, Which you, 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 that place you mentioned ad nauseum. Not, not just, just on the show, too. Your Facebook's literally insane. I mean, it's everything. just because, like, you take the train in from the airport, you stop at Union Station. First yeah, beer, yeah. You just walk in, and there's Terminal Bar, and they have, like, great beer. And they always have, like, the, what is it, the Sawtooth ESB from um, Left Hand on Nitro. It, that's the key, is Which on is Nitro. Which is the right yeah. way to do that beer. It tastes, it's, yeah, that's just a great. You, and that's kind of your yeah. go-to first beer every time you're there, right? Yeah, because it's low ABV, Tradition. but it's very good, a lot of good flavor, a lot of good ESB flavor. Get that caramely, malty flavor with the correct mouthfeel of being a nitro since they don't have cask. And you just sit and drink that with your lunch, and then you go about your day. Go wherever you're going next. And, and, and honestly, like, a city's just rife with it. 
Like it, yeah. like you can go to your average pizza joint and they'll have like five taps. Yeah, all with local craft beer. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> you can go to a glass blowing studio. That, you can go to a motorcycle shop and they probably have a couple of taps. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, I've literally been to a coffee shop there that had taps, and I was <laughs> like, I, I love this place. <laughs> Uh, other other notable standouts, Brink Brewing did really good. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, um, they managed to yep. win in three categories that aren't going to help them at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> managed to win a gold medal in Sweet Stout. Uh, they also managed to win for English Mild. They took the silver, and they were named the Very Small Brewery of the Year. I've heard great, great things about Brink. And next time I'm up in Cincinnati visiting some friends, I'm definitely going to check them out. But those are like... The, Three medals that do nothing for you. Oh, like, yeah, you've captured the English mild demographic. Good for you. It's <laughs> like winning a Grotzer medal. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> great. Uh, just put that up on the wall and don't tell anybody what it's for. Just uh, tiny, tiny little letters for our English mild. Uh, yeah, but uh, other ones that really got some uh, good notice as far as, uh, you know, larger breweries, uh, 50-50 brewing uh they're a brewery group. They had a very they good day. They had a day. very, very, <laughs> had a very, good day. very good Picked day. up a ton of medals. Were named the brewery group of the year. Uh, Frime Family Brewers up in Hood River, Oregon. Very, Tried a bunch of their beers. Very their good booth. brewery. Yeah. That um, was their mid sized brewery of the year. That was Saturday. We were like, we need to go to the peas because we want to get to Frime now. Because if Before we don't get there up, soon, yeah. <laughs> there ain't gonna be any beer. <laughs> no, yeah, we uh, we had a decent amount of them last time we were in Portland. It's just that they, yeah, they turn out some really good stuff. Yeah. Um, their name is ridiculous. It's Tiny P, Big, Big F, R I E M. Yeah. Ha- okay. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say Frime, you think it's gonna be under the F? No, it's under P. Yep. Yep. P frame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, aside from that, uh, like we said, Chicago really gaining some notice as far as being a big beer city. Uh, it was just an absolutely huge year for them. They've had kind of an underground, one of the best scenes in the country for like five years now. Yeah. And it's it's really nice to see them getting the kind of recognition they yeah. deserve. All those people that left Goose Island <laughs> started oh, yeah. breweries. Started new breweries. That's what happens. <laughs> and, and, t- and now it's... And I'm not even kidding when I said that. No, no, no. That's literal, <laughs> that's literal talk. Um and you're starting to see, like, I mean, with them becoming now kind of the capital of, of Hayesville, like, I mean, the, the, de facto, I mean, yeah. the, they are now the place you go if you want the world's best hazy beers, um, really kind of knocking off the Boston area off that title, which I'm sure they were thrilled about. On uh, Twitter, there was a little thing where someone said, basically, part of the reason that happened, that all these New England IPAs, all the winners were not from New England, was because the people in New England didn't enter. How, how does that make sense? Because these are the guys. There were because like four hundred entries. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm pretty well. I'm basically his argument was the people, like people in Boston, are so insular and so tribal about being from Boston, specifically in New England in general. No, that they didn't. I they don't care. To a New England woman. Yeah, they don't care about what the rest of the country thinks about them. So they're just gonna. Yeah, that that was his argument. That. <laughs> He has to be from Boston. Yeah, he's from Boston. That's the That's most Boston makes, argument exactly. I've ever heard. Oh my! Oh, dude, I'm having flashbacks of living up there. Oh, yeah, he's from Boston. That is making his most, argument. Yeah, that is Which the most like, Boston argument I've ever heard. We only lost because we didn't enter. Because fuck you guys. <laughs> Pretty much it. Yeah. Oh my god, that is that's that that's some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Oh, wow, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> You're just like, I, yes. Uh, and like I guess said, the last the thing Boston to talk thing about, ever heard. To, to end on, wow, <laughs> I was going to say to end on a, a, one last fun anecdote, but that's a good one to end on. Uh, no, uh, one last fun thing. Uh, who won silver in the collaboration category, Ryan? That would be Firestone Walker. Who did they collaborate with? Firestone Walker. How does that work? The, well, all right. 
JVF <laughs> rules are kind of screwy. So you can enter every facility you yes, have. It's you by can facility, enter not by like, which used to not be a problem. It was made to set up things for like rock bottoms who have relatively independent uh, pizza places, port, pizza port, fifty fifty. <laughs> but these days, these days it's gotten silly. Yeah, like, like it's gotten outright silly. Like, this is a new thing that they started doing this year. Of they wanted to award and promote award collaboration and promote collaboration among brewers. So they created this collaboration award. And Firestone Walker, the Paso Robles, which is their main facility, collaborated with Firestone Walker, the Barrel Works, which is <laughs> the look on your face you're like, I don't understand. Yes. And how, how did this get accepted when they like I, I get them winning because it's a blind tasting. Yeah. How did this get it? There should. How is there not a rule that they can't both be owned by the same company? Otherwise, it's not a collaboration. <laughs> the if I shake my right hand with my left hand, it's it's not a handshake among friends. It's just me looking weird holding my own hands. The reaction among like I watched this on live. We didn't go, so I was at Dave and Jenny's house watching this on the live stream, and like the live stream, the audio was not great, so you normally can't really hear what's going on in the audience. He announces this, and he has to pause because, like, there's a literal, there is an audible gasp from the audience. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> if I lend myself my own spatula, <laughs> the spatula was never lent. It's mine. If I collaborate with myself on a piece of art, I did it alone. How did this get through? <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! And especially the first year, like th- that's a bit of an egg on the face. Yeah, they're for the gonna. BA. That, I'm, I'm pretty sure as soon as they saw that obvious rules badge, yeah, they like we're gonna. This has changed now. We're gonna announce this as soon as the GABF is over. <laughs> oh my god! I just I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it was because it was, and um, and you know it was a collaboration. I'm just kind of like listening to it because it's a new, new doing. I'm like playing with breakfast, playing with my food. And, Kind of half listening because it's early. Firestone hung- Walker collaborating. Yeah, I'm with. hung over and it's early <laughs> in the morning. I'm really not paying attention. Like Firestone Walker, Paso Robles with Firestone Walker Barrel Works. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh man, that is. You want to see a participation medal in in, in execution? Good lord. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, that's a bit of coverage on GABF. I hope you tuned into Ryan's short pours that he did from uh, from the Denver area. Expect to see more of those yeah. on future events. Uh, now yeah, that we've we're actually, to, yeah, we figured, figured out how to do, how to do it. it. <laughs> we're gonna do more of it. <laughs> Beautiful guys. I uh, appreciate it. Have an excellent day. Thanks for tuning in and cheers. Nice launcher. you.